Hello and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke, and I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues, exploring their special interests in medicine, and bringing insights, ideas, and advice for your medical practice. In this podcast, we'll begin to explore clinical problems associated with liver disease, initially looking at biochemical derangements. Patients presenting with abnormal liver function tests pose a range of intriguing diagnostic and clinical questions. Other derangements reactive to other comorbidities, secondary to prescribed medications, biliary obstruction, or the tentacles of malignancy, or do they reflect common liver pathologies such as fatty liver disease or chronic hepatitis, including hepatitis B and C? We will discuss these problems in a four-part series with an experienced hepatologist committed to improving patient healthcare outcomes. Please welcome Dr. Ferry Rosley. Now today we'll be talking with an expert in liver disease in the first part of a four-part series. Please welcome Dr. Ferry Rosley. Ferry, come in. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank I you know, for having me. I know yeah. you've rushed here. You've just been treating a GR bleeder at uh, Monash. Did that go okay? Yes. Got some yes. blood on your hands. <laughs> Only a little bit. Uh, we got through. Yep. Ferry, thank you. Thank you for treating our patient and for making it here in such a, um, a difficult time during the COVID crisis. Uh, Ferry, you've been a, in clinical practice as a gastroenterologist for over 20 years, working at GR Health and also serving out your appointment at uh, Southern Health where I know you're very respected for your work and interest in management, management of liver disease. And you're also very loved by everyone. All the staff and patients speak very highly of you. Um, there is a kind of a backstory to all this because you're a busy family man. Uh, you have two children. You travel wide, widely. Um, t- tell us about how you got here to Melbourne. You, you were born in Jakarta. T- take us from there. Yep, I was born in Jakarta and then I moved to Singapore to do my uh, elemental primary school study and part of my secondary school uh, and the uh, and then I moved here to complete the uh, year 12 and then subsequently go to uh, Monash University for my uh, basic medical degree. So when you when you were completing your gastroenterology you, you've been very humble here you, you won a prize which took you into the field of liver disease tell us a little bit about that. Oh yes so after the two years of general gastroenterology, I have a third year options that I decided to uh, uh, apply for the traveling scholarship to, uh, it's a hepatology scholarship that uh, sent me to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. And I would spend about two years there to do hepatology. Yep. And then you brought that uh, expertise back to, to Melbourne. How did you find that experience working in the United Kingdom versus under the NHS versus working here in, uh, in Australia? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing experience, I would say. And uh, any young future hepatologist that want to uh, uh, experience uh, a different type of uh, hepatology should uh, consider going overseas and uh, in particularly in the, in the NHS. And NHS system is very different to Medicare. Uh, they are not as good, I would think. They are a bit under-resourced, but despite all this, they are providing uh, top-notch care in terms of uh, looking after people with liver disease there, in particularly doing liver transplant. Yep. 
Yes, okay. And why you, know, you chose the specialty of gastroenterology and then hepatology in particular, what drew you to that? There are so many different fields of medicine and of mm. gastroenterology, different parts, weak parts we can travel down. Why, why liver disease? Well, started, I suppose, I always liked biology and I have been always curious how the uh, body organ system works. And, uh, and after a long um, uh, study journey, I decided to pick gastroenterology because I think that's the most fascinating one and in particularly liver disease, which is uh, uh, of uh, a very special interest to me. Yeah. And do you think we've had some developments uh, in the types of drugs and uh, other therapies uh, in gastroenterology, in particular in relation to hepatology, and we're going to talk about viral mm -hmm. hepatitis soon. Um, do, do you think there's been some major breakthroughs in that you've seen in your clinical practice in the last five to 10 years? Yes, absolutely. The last five years would be the treatment for hepatitis C. We, could, uh, we have found a cure for hepatitis C where we can cure almost up to 95% of the um, chronic, chronic hep C patients. So that is a very uh, a major uh, breakthrough. Uh, and um, we also have the treatment for hepatitis B, not so much of a cure, but we can suppress the virus to prevent progression of liver disease. So there is, um, there is a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, progress in terms of uh, treating liver disease nowadays. Well, just we're going to start uh, today talking about liver function tests predominantly, mm -hmm. and we'll later on talk about in another podcast series about hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and about uh, fatty liver. But let's just focus now on abnormal liver function tests because both of us get referred patients with abnormal liver functions. If I just put to you, a patient might be sent, say a 56-year-old patient comes in, a male who drinks uh, two or three drinks of alcohol per day. Uh, he's a type 2 diabetic. Uh, he's got hypercholesterolemia and hypertension as, as a background. And the liver functions are presented to you with a normal hemoglobin, and, and the, the blood panels presented to you with a normal hemoglobin, but slightly reduced platelets at 120 by 10 to 9 per litre, the normal range is above 150. His ALT was 30 international units per litre, AST 50, bilirubin normal, albumin slightly reduced to 32, normal alkaline phosphatase, alpha feta protein 3. So presenting that sort of panel of LFTs and the uh, platelet count to you, what would you be thinking? How would you approach that? Well, at the moment, I think uh, this man has uh, quite a few things that can be affecting his liver, particularly uh, the alcohol intake, his uh, uh, metabolic syndrome, as you uh, mentioned, he got uh, almost all of them, the diabetes, high blood pressure, and the uh, uh, cholesterol. The AST is higher than ALT, making it probably likely to be this is uh, either due to the alcohol or it could be due to advanced liver disease from uh, non-alcohol, or it could be advanced disease from the fatty liver component where the AST become higher than ALT. And it is a concern that the platelet has dropped, especially now that it is below 50, he may well have developed advanced fibrosis or uh, liver cirrhosis, developing portal hypertension. Is it okay or enough just to say, look, mate, you need to lose a bit of weight, get your get your uh, affairs in kind of in order, get yourself in shape, 
reduce your alcohol intake, get a fitness program and then send him home and bring him back in a few months? Or should he have more work up now? Oh yeah, absolutely. He should be worked up now because uh, he may have uh, uh, developed complication in six months time. So I think he should be worked up straight away with uh, imaging, ultrasound as a baseline, and then uh, and also uh, do further uh, clotting tests to look at the synthetic function of the liver, given that his albumin is borderline, and then I would use uh, check his INR. And, um, and if there is a fibroscan um, option, then I would definitely organize for him to have a fibroscan. Would you, would you move to liver biopsy at any stage in a patient like this? Uh, or do you feel that you can, get, you can gain enough information from uh, the, the imaging, the fibroscan, the, looking at the synthetic test, the bit of rubin, the albumin, looking at the platelet count and so forth? Is that enough to, to gauge where you're heading with this gentleman or does he need a liver biopsy, do you think? I think if we can get away without a liver biopsy would be better, given that his uh, ALT is not significantly elevated, it's uh, less likely to be uh, due to uh, other uh, uh, form of liver disease, for example, autoimmune hepatitis, probably less likely in this case, but I'll definitely check his other uh, uh, possibility of like hemochromatosis, certainly I would check his iron studies and um, those uh, uh, liver screen, I would definitely include it in the um, initial uh, assessment. Is this the sort of patient that you would ask a general practitioner to refer to you as a specialist in hepatology? And if so, what are the key things in his liver panel mm. that would make you think, Mm, this man really should be referred to us. We're worried about fibrosis. We're worried about his liver decompensating. Mm -hmm. We really need to get the message through to this gentleman about lifestyle change. Yes, I think given that he has uh, probably advanced fibrosis due to the thrombocytopenia, borderline albumin, I think this is a classic example of people that have minor elevation and yet they could have uh, advanced liver disease. And so this needs to be worked up properly to uh, prevent a complication in the future. And he may need to have a gastroscopy as well, uh, given his uh, thrombocytopenia, and we need to screen for esophageal varices. Okay. Yeah. So it, just in broad terms, uh, in general practice, I think often um, the practitioner is faced with a liver function panel where there's uh, sometimes uh, transaminases are elevated, sometimes uh, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, alkaline phosphatase and gamma GT is more elevated. What's your approach? What advice could you give uh, to a general practitioner, young doctor perhaps coming through, uh, in terms of how they should approach abnormal liver functions? Uh, well, I think as with uh, all medicine, the first thing is that taking a very thorough history is very important. Looking at what medication they are taking in terms of uh, family history and um, and social factors, whether they engage in any high-risk uh, 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 habits like IV drug use and all these things, I think is very important. And then when you look at the panel of the liver function tests, uh, you have to look whether it, is this hepatitic picture or just cholestatic and then work accordingly. But uh, uh, I would always uh, tell the younger uh, generation that uh, people can have multiple liver disease in one person. You can have hepatitis C, hemochromatosis, alcoholic, alcoholic liver disease in a, a person. So just because we found out someone have uh, hepatitis C, 
doesn't mean that they won't have hemochromatosis either. Mm. So I think that's something uh, we need to uh, watch out there, for. There could be multiple, mm. yes. multiple factors at Yes, at so play. I would do, if, if, if the ALT, ASD are elevated, then definitely I would do the autoantibody screening test, ANA, anti-smoke muscle, anti-mitochondrial, and, uh, and, and the metabolic screen, alpha-1 antitrypsin, and uh, sometimes we should consider um, screening for Wilson's disease as well in the younger population that um, uh, it, it should be included, as well as celiac serology. A lot of people have uh, celiac disease and the first presentation can be just a slight elevation in ALT of 60-70, which we attribute to fatty liver, but sometimes it may be uh, celiac serology, uh, celiac disease could be uh, at play. Yep. What would be the most common disease underlying abnormal LFTs that you see in clinical practice? In general, I would say in Australia, the commonest would be uh, uh, non-alcohol fatty liver disease. It would be the, the commonest, I would say. Right. And, okay. uh, and uh, later on, I mean, the second one will be um, uh, alcohol. Okay. Mm. Are the medications that patients uh, present with it, it often are highlighted as potential causes? Are there any medications that you think should stand out in the general practitioner's mind as causing LFT derangements? Yes, yes absolutely. And in, in particularly the one that you can buy over the counter, for example, uh, non-steroidals. So non-steroidals, unfortunately, uh, is, uh, is a culprit in a lot of people with abnormal liver function tests. You can have abnormal liver enzyme by just taking one or two neurofen, which you can just buy over the counter. Yeah. It is very common. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, that can cause a, a significant abnormal liver function test. And also in postmenopausal women, they like to take uh, a herbal medication like uh, black cohosh type of uh, ingredient that can uh, lead to a significant liver impairment and lead to um, liver failure. Yes, we've had a case of that, haven't we? Yes, absolutely. What about antibiotics? Uh, do you worry about augmentin use and fluoxacillin mm -hmm. use? Uh, Absolutely, uh, this, uh, some of this uh, uh, reaction is uh, idiosyncratic. They may have had previous uh, usage and nothing happened, and yet the second, third time, they can have developed cholestatic hepatitis with like augmentin and a lot of these other uh, uh, antibiotics. Yeah, it is quite common. Mm. What if a patient has just an isolated gamma GT elevation? What, what, what would you make of that? Isolated elevation gamma GT uh, is usually not as uh, uh, serious as the other elevation, but it could uh, uh, lead on to uh, further uh, liver disease in the future. But the commonest, I would say, is uh, uh, either medication or fatty liver disease, or patients who are about to develop type 2 diabetes, they got uh, the glucose intolerance. Uh, yes, the GGT will start to rise initially and it will continue to rise um, later on. So yeah. if someone has an elevated gamma GT, would you recommend imaging for that patient? Suppose the gamma GT was 100, they've been referred in. Everything else is normal. Transaminases are normal, the albumin is normal, bilirubin is normal. They've just come in with an elevated gamma GT. And uh, maybe they drink a little, uh, but you know, socially, not mm. excessively, and of course patients may not tell you the truth on that, but what would you would you recommend uh, uh, some imaging of that patient? Yes, I would. I would. Imaging can help with uh, whether it is uh, uh, if there is any significant uh, fatty liver infiltration. Uh, there are many people who just have oscillated uh, uh, elevation in the GGT, and yet they have advanced uh, uh, fibrosis that can sometimes be detected on the ultrasound. And yes, I would definitely. 
So, so matching the liver functions with some imaging is very important. Yes. Um, and the fibrosis scan is uh, an investigation that we're using to look mm -hmm. for fibrosis and mm -hmm. give us a, an idea of the severity of the yes. liver disease. Um, that can be a little bit hard to, to arrange, can't it? We've got uh, public facilities that provide fibro scanning. Yes, Monash can do fibro scan, the Alfred and uh, Box Hill. Most Locally. of the public hospitals do have that. And they do, uh, yeah, they do it uh, with, um, you can do it through a direct referral to the unit. Yep. Yes, okay. Mm. So um, if, uh, if you were giving advice to a young doctor, mm. a young doctor coming through, um, what, what, advice, what would be the best advice you could give a young qualifying doctor? He's not a gastroenterologist yet. He hasn't, he hasn't reached forward to the stars and become a gastroenterologist yet. But what, what advice would you consider giving a young qualifying doctor? Well, first thing is that you must uh, uh, have an open mind and you must learn as much as you can um, on the, uh, you know, that uh, you may have a lot of uh, knowledge, but when it comes to real life medicine, it's not as easy as uh, it looks like and hospital medicine is totally different from uh, community medicine and there's a lot to learn and I think they, uh, they have to uh, uh, keep an open mind that uh, help is only a phone call away. If there's any doubt in any of their patients management, they should ask and not just uh, uh, leave it to the next person or put it underneath the carpet because I think that's very important, yeah. That's great advice, Ferry. Thank you very much. I know we'll be continuing the series uh, next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation held today as much as I did. Next week, Ferry will return to discuss the very common clinical problem of fatty liver, also known as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. During the podcast series, we will be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed and may be emailed to manager at GI Health dot com dot au